0: but I wanted to also talk with you this evening about the, the teaching of artificial life because we've mentioned a, a number of uh, universities around the world that are either actively teaching artificial life in some sense or using artificial life as part of a, a kind of graduate research program or an internal research program. Do you get a sense of the, the number of universities that are teaching artificial life currently either to undergraduates or graduate students?
1: Well, you know, I... I uh, you've got me curious. Um, I don't actually know how many people are doing it or anything. I, I should I should look around and see what all is going on. I know there are courses out there. You know, a quick Google will, will turn up uh, a, a number of different people teaching something, uh, you know, specifically calling it Course Artificial Life 2008, Artificial Life, and, you know, I can see the uh, course number, and so I, I, I know the people are doing this. I, 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 I'm not sure exactly what they're teaching it it's interesting um a lot of it th- there's another person at indiana university where i am uh luis rocha who teaches a course called Bioinspired computing and i think a number of the courses kind of take that line what's his name gary uh flake's book um uh is 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 what the textbook that um that uh, luis uses and um so I think people are taking quite different approaches. I designed mine, um, the course I teach in artificial life as an approach to artificial intelligence, specifically to try to give a lot of these fundamental technologies and, and insights into seeing intelligence as an emergent phenomenon uh, and, and what that means and what you can, how you can leverage that. Um, and give a general introduction to the field and, oh, bring in some um, ideas about, you know, I've, I've always said from the fr- earliest days that uh, Polyworld was um, sort of a way to work our way up the intelligence spectrum. Yes, I want human level intelligence in the machine, but I'm, you know, happy to go for computational aplesia before the lab rat, before the simian and so on, and, um yeah, so I've also done some research into um, animal cognition, fi- trying to find out a little bit about what what we know about the way animals uh, think, what levels of intelligence they're uh, capable of expressing. And uh, some of that's fascinating, so I introduce a little bit of that and uh, talk about uh, Coco the gorilla and dolphins and uh, Betty the crow and Alex the parrot and... and, and, and Honeybees that have learned the, to distinguish uh, abstract concepts of same versus different. Um, and, and fruit flies that have some kind of um, salience mechanism that's kind of like an attention mechanism. Uh, so anyway, I, oh, and information theory. Since I claim that information is key to understanding all this, uh, uh, I do a little introduction to information theory as part of the class. So I, I try to teach some of the very things that that you know we we stated at the beginning are the fundamentals: genetic algorithms, neural networks, information theory, um, evolution, inf- how evolution and learning interact with each other. Um, these sort of different kinds of organisms, both simulated and real, and um, I get into that Danny Hillis work that I was talking about. Uh, and as I said, you know, start it and stop it with uh, with Chris Langton stuff. So,
0: and I mean, a question that I wanted to ask you when when you were last on, particularly with regards to stopping and starting with Chris Langton, although you have mentioned more um, more contemporary um, theorists, is I mean, certainly through discussion uh, in Biota Live and, and with the, the participants, there is a strong contemporary sense that artificial life has a a good impact um, in in companies like Apple and Intel, in my own experience, and certainly looking at Rodney Brooks' work, I mean, you know, the, the sky's the limit in terms of the applications there. You're getting a very broad range of students coming through that may go on to, uh you know, to, to be Nigel Griffith in academia or may go on to actually work for one of these companies or go out into, um, in in terms of bioinformatics, I mean, folks like Ed, and we've had a a few other listeners who've corresponded with me that do exactly what Ed does at other uh, um, biochemistry um, companies. So, I mean, I think the diversity of uses for for contemporary artificial life are really, you know, the the imagination is really the limit in terms of these uses. If you were... (laughs)
1: fundamental skills that that I'm teaching in this class I think are um, of help no matter what they do with it whether whether they go into true artificial life as their primary research direction or that the, they go off into industry or they take another tack in academia I, I the nicest I think the nicest compliment any any former student has ever given me was a a student from my A life class who got accepted to MIT and um, uh, emailed me a few months into the semester saying, you know, of all the courses I took at university, yours is the one that has been the most helped here at MIT. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much as nice a thing as a teacher can, can hope to hear.
0: <laughs> I think this is the theme through what we're trying to do with things like BIOS Alive as well, that the the nature of what we're discussing is may appear trivial precursorily to folks you know tuning in on an occasional basis but for the practitioners and the people as, as you have who have devoted the large portions of their life uh to you know to the discipline it needs to move probably in the next you know five to ten years into something which may actually exist on its own as, as a discipline do you see this happening in, in, with regards to your teaching of artificial life? Do you see it becoming something that would be a standalone discipline within perhaps the School of Informatics, perhaps the School of Computer Science? Is this your long term view? Well, I mean, to a certain extent, it already is. I mean, you will find,
1: I mean, there's a fairly strong A life community at the, in the academic community. Um, uh, I think I may have even mentioned uh, A life. Uh, 11 was in Europe for the first time for this particular conference, and um, last summer. And the um, the level of work, the quality of work going on uh, in Europe was actually astounding uh, and delightfully so. Um, and 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 there's some some brilliant work going on over here. Sometimes it shows up under the guise of robotics. Um, uh, and and I know, I mean, we have a fairly strong statement right in every, you know, every everything we talk about in our complex systems group uh in in the school of informatics where I am, uh, we you, we almost always mention artificial life uh right up front. We consider it, you know, part of our charter, part of our uh group's theme. So, um to a certain extent, it it's already here. Now, it's not a huge community, but I mean there is Artificial Life and European Conference on Artificial Life and Simulation of Adaptive Behavior, and IEEE now has an Artificial Life uh, Symposium as part of a general computational intelligence uh, conference. Uh, There's actually quite a bit of uh, work and, and interest in the area, probably about as much as the field can sustain right now.
0: I I guess this is my point, really, that in order to move the field further forward, particularly with regards to the idea of, uh, you know, potentially Bachelor of Science in Artificial Life, there are already MSc in Artificial Life programs, but moving it perhaps a little, um, you know, lower into a Bachelor program with regards to, particularly, the applications in industry. I mean, I think this is what's going to be interesting in the next few years, and you really are in you know, in in the perfect position to to motivate this kind of discussion and also have this kind of thinking. Certainly watching it as an observer, the need for things like textbooks, the need for things like um, unified curriculum, some kind of discussion associated with what this, Thing is moving towards similar to what occurs as you're well aware in physics and possibly also in biology and mathematics and these kind of areas. I mean, I think this is what will be the interesting transition in the next five to ten years, and I'm certainly interested in having you on on a kind of semi-regular basis to instigate this kind of discussion in your own thinking. In, in terms of what I'm saying, I mean, does that jo with what you're thinking, and can you talk a little bit about that, that potential in the in the future? Well...
1: I, honestly now you're I now I have really not sure what I think about where the future is going with this stuff because I I don't currently see artificial life as being quite that sort of formalized I mean by the time you get to teaching um a calculus class calculus has been taught for so many years now has the, well, the field has been around for so long, and then it's also been taught in universities for so long, that it's kind of prescription. It's uh, you, you always teach this, you always teach it in this order. That they can hire lecturers in; they don't even have to have the uh, the faculty do it because it's the course is extremely well designed, and they know exactly what they want the outcomes to be. Artificial life, at least for a while, is going to need to remain fluid. And um, I mean, I hope it still is sufficiently innovative and sufficiently a moving target that there's not going to be a one true artificial life um, syllabus created that is going to be the way to teach artificial life. Um, For what it's worth, you should also uh, realize that um uh university faculty are they they've worked hard to get where they are and they have there's this thing called academic freedom uh and it is invoked to mean I get to teach what I darn well want to teach <laughs> um as long as the the core courses are covered and uh f- so there's a there's a lot of I mean, it's a good thing I mean, that there's so much academic freedom that you can... I can design a course that teaches artificial life in a way that I think is important, um, but uh, Luis Rocha can design a course that's really getting around the same ideas, and yet it's an entirely different course uh, His with his bio-inspired computing, um, and yet both of them are very much sort of, you know, in the A-life realm. So... I, I, I think it's a little too early to be trying to um, codify um, uh, the artificial life curriculum.
0: So a top-down example in this is the idea of Java teaching, teaching the programming language Java. And this is certainly something that I experienced in '95 in when I started university. I didn't take computer science, but I certainly spent a lot of time in the university leading up to actually going to university And my experience with regards to what happened with Java was that all the computer science courses associated with C, C++, all the stuff that led towards that was removed and replaced with Java almost instantaneously. And I'm trying to think I mean, outside of areas that I know, it's very difficult for me to think about certain aspects of law, and I'm sure in engineering there are examples. But I think it's, in in some regard, a little, I, I wouldn't want to say naive, but certainly the length of time that these things have been going on should, if anything, really distill it in more solidity uh, rather than still make it into something which is vague, particularly if I look at how fast computer science courses uh, change associated with fashion and, uh, you know, I'm sure .NET was rolled out just as quickly as Java was. But what what you say with regards to artificial life being fundamentally fluid and organic currently I think is uh, very true. But as, as you note, there are so many courses that seem to be cropping up that are teaching us life. And certainly the feedback I get from doing bio to live is that a number of these students listening to bio to live almost like a tutorial in some regard mm-hmm. is that this is, is being informally organized. Uh, in a way where it's almost screaming out for uh, a certain layer of formality to cover that, so I mean I guess that's just my point with regards to this that as a as a passive and somewhat distant observer uh, through the correspondence that i've had with students and also folks such as yourself Larry in talking about things like a life eleven. My sense is that there is almost a a need for, not necessarily, as you say, strict dictated calculus courses coming in, but at least some acknowledgement that this is a, a, an intellectual movement that you know, merits some uh, degree of surveying and not necessarily explicit formality, but at least some general agreement the world over that this is what artificial life means. These are the components that lead into it. If people want to come to a conversation, and this we find through the bio-conversations mailing list continuously, that because there is still no set You know, you need to know a little bit about this, a little bit about that, but at least this kind of smorgasbord of ideas or people that that come in still who don't have a background necessarily in half a dozen of the areas that we've discussed, but are very strong in, um, you know, Dawkins' genetic algorithm from, ironically, the Blind Watchmaker or related books associated with that. My interest in in bringing you on regularly, and also I'll talk to Mark Fedeau about this as well, is that as a passive observer, I see the need for this, particularly in industry as well. I think if there, were, if there was even a slightly more level of formalization associated with the teaching of artificial life, these concepts and ideas could easily be kind of brought together in something that actually was recognized formally by industry in a way that is currently kind of informally being recognized. Bruce, as you listen into this, what's your thinking about this discussion?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's a field I agree with. With Larry, the field is very, very fluid, and definitions are shifting, and, you know, we're, we're seeing artificial life applied to synthetic biology and chemistry now. I guess with what Mark de Badeau will point out uh, next uh, next week, is it next week he's coming on?
0: Um, no, Zan Gill will be on the next show in two weeks, and Mark will be on in a month's time.
2: In a month's time, I mean, he talks about artificial life starting in the digital realm, and then Moving into robotics and, and chemistry, you know, its center seems to be spreading out and moving. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's the field's actually getting bigger, and that's kind of exciting. Yeah, and it's the, definitely the, the not Evo- just one thing. <laughs> yeah, and then my my goal of the EvoGrid project, and you'll see it in EvoGrid the movie. Is I know I keep plugging the movie, but it shows a very cartoony way of uh, showing going from a digital simulation to a nanofabbed uh, chemical entity for the public to understand this.
0: So I think this this probably concludes the discussion this evening um, and, and maybe even uh, frames the discussion uh, with Mark as well with regards to this topic. But, I mean, in terms of what we've been discussing, Larry, does this gel with you at all in terms of just something that you'll take away and think about? Uh, yes,
1: and... and and also, if there are some undergraduates listening to this who think they might want to pursue a PhD uh, and with a predominantly artificialized slant, um, I'm at Indiana University.
0: Certainly. And I think, you know, Virgil as an example, I mean, I think the potentially even for undergraduates who are in the U.S. and looking for, or even high school, you know, looking to go to college, which colleges they would like to go to. Can you give some introduction to Virgil's experience and how he came into artificial life as an undergraduate? And Virgil's not your normal case.
1: I knew that as soon as I met him. Uh, uh, he actually had been going to a different university, uh, Alabama, I think. Um, don't don't hold me to that. Um and uh, had come up I think he had thought to to work with Douglas Hofstetter and he was just sort of bouncing around and talking to different people and he landed in my office a few times and we got to talking more and more and um, we found that we had such strong shared interests that we ended up working together for a couple of years and then uh He finally uh, finished up his degree. I think he actually got his degree back from his original university just because he had enough credits and with the ones he was able to import from IU, he finally finished up his bachelor's and um, uh, headed off to Caltech for their uh, computational neuroscience uh, studies there. So um, he really was just actively pursuing what interested him the most and and this was it and so we, we, we got on really well.
0: So the moral initially is find out find sympathetic academics and, and take it from there if you're currently an undergraduate student looking to pursue artificial life in the future. Absolutely. Well, you need to find a place where the things that interest you are interest the faculty. <laughs> certainly. Larry, I want to thank you very much for the opportunity to chat with you this evening. And Bruce, I guess you'll be on in two weeks' time with Dan Gill. I guess so. I'm really interested to hear what San has to say with regards to the environmental stuff. Thank you both very much for participating in this evening's Biota Live, and thanks, folks, for listening in.
2: Good night.